Welcome to Nationwide Market Insights for August 28, 2023. What were the implications from Powell's comments in Jackson Hole? The Federal Reserve Bank of Kansas City just wrapped up their annual economic symposium in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, which included central bankers, policymakers, professors, and economists from around the world. Fed Chair Jerome Powell was the keynote speaker, providing the audience with opening remarks about inflation. What do we learn from his comments, and how could it change our outlook? How do the markets react to his comments? And did he shed any light on additional rate hikes? This is Brian Kirk. And to recap the economic symposium, we have senior economist Ben Ayers and Mark Hackett, Nationwide's Chief of Investment Research. Ben, Mark, thank you so much for joining us today. Ben, let's start off talking about Fed Chair's opening remarks. Uh, What were the key takeaways that you heard? Yeah, thanks, Brian. And thanks, Mark, for joining us on the podcast today. You know, I think as opposed to last year was some fireworks, I think, from Chair Powell, where he really struck a very hawkish tone and surprised the markets. I would say that the comments from last Friday struck really an expected tone. There was a lot of emphasis on the work that needs to be done, particularly on the inflation front, but also treading carefully as far as really promising that we were going to go higher with rates and emphasizing that they might be done and they might be holding rates steady for a while and would eventually consider cuts at some point. So there's certainly a kind of a threading the needle, walking down the middle for sort of thing with the comments last week that did not rile markets, I don't think. I'll let Mark chime in more on that, but certainly was much more in line with some of the commentary we've already heard from Chair Powell and Fed officials in recent weeks and months emphasizing the importance of inflation and where we see inflation going over the rest of the year and into 2024. We've seen inflation, particularly overall inflation, come down quite sharply. But as Chair Powell really laid out in quite detail, some of the underlying aspects of inflation, particularly housing and service costs, are still very elevated and much higher than they would like to be. Uh, And particularly, that's keeping core inflation measures, particularly the core PCE, which is the preferred measure of the Fed, is far above the 2% goal that they have and likely will remain so for quite some time. And this kind of, to us, implies a higher for longer approach to monetary policy over the next year or so. And it implies maybe some pretty big implications for what we see for the outlook for the overall economy. I think the biggest news grabber from the commentary from Chair Powell was really pushing back on what the actual Fed inflation target should be. There's been some calls recently as far as, you know, when is the Fed going to declare victory over inflation? Does it have to get down to 3% where we've seen it recently? Does it have to get down to 2.5% or is it really the 2% goal that the Fed has from a longer term perspective? And in his comments on Friday, Chair Powell really doubled down on that 2% rate and said, that's the, that's the goal. That's the marker that we're going to view as success uh, and really pushing back on those calls to move it up a little higher. Now, we'll see how that really plays out. You know, Maybe the Fed, when it does get down to 2.5% or so, they start to think about lowering rates. But still, at this point, it's very clear that they're focused on that 2% target. They want to keep that as the goal in mind, and that's the thing they want to get to before they really start to shift gears 
from a very restrictive monetary policy stance to a more easy monetary policy stance. So as far as an impact on our economic outlook, I think the comments were pretty much in line with what we expected. Um, we have maintained for a while that the Fed is likely to keep rates where they are or maybe even go higher, at least through the rest of the year and probably into 2024. And I don't think anything that we heard from Chair Powell last Friday really changed that. I think it's they didn't talk at all about potential rate cuts. It was the focus was on, are they going to go higher in the next couple of meetings or at the very least, are they going to hold rates steady for quite some time to really make sure that inflation is coming down to the trend they want, particularly core inflation? And they're starting to see some rolling over of the housing and service costs that, again, have remained very elevated. So to us, that still lays out that we think we're going to eventually go into a moderate size recession. Um, you know, Traditionally, when you see a soft landing, you would see the Fed start to ease well in advance of that and hopefully cut off the downside from the previous rate increases that they put through. Yet again, that's not the outlook that Chair Powell laid out, not the outlook that we have from our forecast as well. So I still put the odds of a harder landing much higher than a soft landing. And again, that probably means maybe not before the end of this year, but certainly when we get into the early stages of 2024, we're likely to see the economy drifting into a moderate sized recession. Well, thank you, Ben, for recapping Chair Powell's comments. Uh, great job there. Let's let's hear Mark's perspective on that as well. Uh, Mark, did Powell's speech have an impact on equity or bond markets? And are financial markets reacting differently to Fed updates in 2023 compared to last year? Thank you, Brian. Yeah, you mentioned in the opening the number of PhDs that were involved in the Jackson Hole meeting. Uh, that by itself is usually a, a pretty good source of heartburn for market observers. Uh, but the immediate reaction following the speech was actually moderately higher markets through Friday and, and in the opening parts of Monday. That's pretty encouraging given the reasonably hawkish tone that you would think the market would have taken from the speech. Uh, I personally am, aren't as concerned about the direction of the market following the speech, more so the amplitude. You know, we, we generally see big moves when the Fed speaks. That was not the case, and I view that as encouraging. We also didn't see much reaction in the bond market. We saw modestly lower long rates. Uh, the Fed futures curve embedding a slightly higher chance of a hike in November, but really a rounding error, frankly, among what we went into the day with. Now, generally, reactions to Fed speak and also Fed policy decisions that we've seen in 2023 are a lot more calm than when we saw in 2022 and even beyond that point. Uh, order of magnitude differences in the emotional response of investors, I think that's a good thing. Uh, historically, Jackson Hole has had some periods of elevated market volatility. You'll remember Chair Bernanke's speeches in 2010, 2012, for example, leading to you know, what we referred at the time as taper tantrums. Uh, not so the case here. Uh, really, this extends beyond just Fed reactions, though. You know, we've seen a lot less volatility this year around earnings, inflation, geopolitical events, interest rate moves, things that really were market drivers last year, aren't really moving the needle this year nearly as much. I view that as a healthy sign, uh, the lack of emotion, the lack of violent market reactions really shows a healthier market, a more fundamentally driven market than we've seen, which was more of an emotional market in previous years. Yeah, thank you, Mark. Let's go back to Ben now and hear more about what he's talking about before uh, his recap of Powell's speech. 
in, in light of what we heard, what do we now expect FOMC to do with policy rates over the rest of the year? Sure. You know, in line with what Mark just talked about, the really in the in the couple of days since the speech, and we haven't seen any big swings in market expectations for what the Fed is likely to do over the rest of the year. You know, right now we're laser focused on the September meeting, um, which is just a few weeks away. Uh, and the, the markets are clearly pricing in about an 80% chance of a Fed hold. Um, you know, obviously the Fed moved in July and in June they did not. So they're expecting that we're going to continue that cadence of kind of a rate hike and then a pause. And then we're going to see that pause again this month. I, I think we're in line with that. Um, obviously, we'll see what happens um, later this week with the August jobs report. And then later this month, when we get the August CPI report, I think those are going to be key in the lead up to the September meeting to make sure that maybe we are still seeing a little bit of cooling in the labor market, a little bit of cooling on the inflation front. And assuming those come in line with current expectations, um, we would expect the Fed to hold at September as well. And I think really markets are more focused on the the last two meetings of the year in November, early November, and then mid December, uh, and really it's more of a coin flip at that point as far as whether they think the Fed will raise rates at that point or whether they will remain on hold. Um, both these chances for September, it's about 60-40 in favor of a rate hike, and then when you go to December, expecting about a 55 to 45 breakout there, as far as leaning a little bit towards another hike. Um, but obviously, if we get some cooler data over the next month or two, I think those would come back down and would come back down to maybe more of a 50-50 or maybe even leaning towards a Fed hold. Our base case right now is still we think the Fed will be on hold. I think they have done enough to this point to slow down inflation. We're going to see more signs on the margins that growth broadly is starting to slow and that their actions are starting to impact overall activity and overall prices. We're going to see some cooler core inflation prints over the rest of the year, and that's going to put them on a hold for quite some time. Um, but very markedly, the market is not pricing in any rate cuts for quite some time. And that's in line, again, with how the Fed has laid things out and, again, in line with our forecast as well. We don't see any talk of any easing until probably 2024 and I think at this stage, probably the earliest we're going to be even thinking about having a rate cut is probably not till March of next year. Obviously, that's still a long ways away. A lot of things can happen with the data over the next six to seven months. Um, but at least for the rest of this year, expecting a little bit of a bias towards maybe another hike. Um, but I think in general, we're expecting that they're going to remain on hold into next year. Thank you, Ben. Yeah, we will continue to watch these reports as they come out. And something else we're watching now, too, is the 10-year Treasury rate, which is up to its highest level since 2007. So Mark, what's driving this and what can you say about the outlook for rates in 2024? Yeah, I mean interest rates really are the latest source of uh, consternation for investors. You know, we we generally talk about the bond market being the adult in the room and really over the last 18 months or so, uh, they've actually been more emotional in reactions in a lot of cases than the equity market is. Uh, we did see, as you mentioned, uh, the 10-year the peaking above 430 for the first time since 2007. Perhaps even more notable, though, the real 10-year yield is at a 15-year high. So it's not just about inflation expectations in that number. And Barclay, the Bloomberg Ag is now negative for the year, or at least it was in the middle part of last week. That would be the third straight negative year for that index. First time that's happened in the 50-year uh, history of the index. Now, I'm going to say the potentially the three most dangerous words in our business, uh, which is, I don't know. 
uh, in terms of where we look for interest rates going. In any year, prognostication and interest rates is among the least accurate things we tend to do as an industry. This is particularly true now, though. You have confusion among central banks. You have stronger than expected data in a lot of areas. Weakness in China potentially offsetting that. Uh, continued nervousness among investors in the banking industry. We have the heavy treasury issuance. And then we have this potential for a government shutdown at the end of September uh, if we don't come to a budget agreement. I know, Ben, later on that this week is going to be talking to our government relations team. Uh, so I'm sure that topic will come up and, and should be interesting to hear. But we as an industry tend to think about interest rates reverting to the mean. But if you look at interest rates over the last 40 to 50 years, what even is the mean? You know, before most of us got in this business, you know, the, the world was very, very different in terms of rates. Now, generally, there seems to be a little bit more upside pressure on rates than downside pressure. Uh, the, the Fed is obviously in higher for longer mode, as Ben kind of alluded to earlier. We do have this surge in supply. And then also the appetite of investors uh, might be waning a little bit here uh, as interest rates are rising. Again, returns in the bond market have been negative. We have net selling among a lot of the foreign buyers. So in a supply demand perspective, that might be leaning towards higher rates, at least in the near term. Um, but the drivers of the 10 year, as I alluded to, it's real yields and inflation expectations. Well, in terms of inflation expectations, the 10 year break even is down about 2.3%. You know, that's well below where we peaked out last summer, really not, frankly, far from the Fed's 2% target. Uh, I am curious you know, to hear what Ben's opinion is on whether or not he thinks the bond market and the equity market are pricing in Fed uh, expectations rationally, uh, their ability to land that plane, uh, or is it perhaps putting a little bit too much faith in the Fed. You know, we all lived through areas where there was a Fed put in the market uh, that potentially led to a moral hazard. I get nervous sometimes when we have a little bit too much faith potentially in the ability of the Fed to execute in what is a very, uh, a lot of moving parts. But when you think about the real yield, the other side of the 10 year, again, that's that supply demand imbalance, as I noted uh, a little bit earlier. You know, the real yields is you know, modestly higher than what we've seen in the average since the financial crisis, but it's well below where we were from that kind of 1980 to 2008 period. So what is the real, the correct real yield? Uh, that's really a difficult one right now, uh, particularly given, as I said, quantitative easing, moving to quantitative tightening, net foreign buying become net foreign selling, uh, and potentially the frustration with uh, following indexes in a lot of these areas, potentially moving people out of bonds and barbelling to potentially cash on one end and equities on the other. Now, if Ben's team's right, though, you know, where if we do have a struggling uh, ec economy going in the end of this year into next year, that potentially would lead to a flight to safety. Uh, so, you know, in terms of you know looking back to the 70s, for example, whenever the Fed has stopped raising rates, Long bonds tend to rally over the following 12 months. So if we do have an ending Fed rate cycle here and moving into a more difficult period economically, you'd expect that there would be downward pressure on rates. That contrasts against the supply demand argument, which suggests that there's upside pressure to rates. Yeah, thanks for that, Mark. Happy to jump in here. You know, I think to answer your 
thoughts there. You know, I do think the markets are probably a little bit over optimistic just on how quickly the Fed can get inflation down, particularly core inflation. You know, you look over the next year or so, core, core CPI inflation is still at 4.7% on a year-over-year basis. I think by the end of the year, it'll be closer to 4%. Um, but obviously, as we just heard from Chair Powell, that's double the inflation target, particularly from a core perspective that the Fed has. So to me, it's still a longer path. I don't see us getting back to more normal inflation rates in the two to two and a half percent range until 2025. And so in as far as the markets are pricing in, you know, maybe sub threes, uh, you know, by middle part or, or the end of next year, that's probably a little too early for me. Um, but I think from a longer term perspective, when you talked about the 10 year break evens, as far as, you know, in that two to two and a half percent range, right in the middle, that makes sense to me. And, and I think that aligns with where we would see things going from a, a longer term perspective. I think that many of the factors that have pushed up inflation will start to fade as you go over the next five to 10 years. And so I think that's about right. You know, getting back to the original question, as far as where we see the 10 year going, you know, we're a little about four, 4.2% right now. I think we're going to be between here and to maybe just a little bit below 4% through the end of the year with the Fed likely remaining on hold. Um, eventually, those rates are going to start to fall, though, as, as they look ahead to the Fed starting to, to ease rates maybe over the course of 2024, particularly if it looks like the economy is starting to slip into a recession. And so we do start to see those long-term rates likely drop over 2024, but still probably by the end of the year of 2024, still probably at 3% or a little bit above. And that's certainly higher than where we've been for much of the last decade and still kind of alluding to some of the upward pressure on rates that we've seen over the past couple of years. Yeah, thank you, Ben. Uh, Mark, you know, our audience always loves hearing your perspective too on what the markets are telling us. And the August pullback that we're seeing now, it, is that just a bump in the road or is it more of a sign of where things may be heading? Well, I guess I'll steal a term that we use with the Fed all the time, which is data dependent. I mean, this is a very important week that we have this week. We get revised second quarter GDP. We do get a PCE deflator, which we know is the inflation metric the Fed pays the most attention to, personal income and spending and also payrolls. So some of this opinion might change, frankly, a week from now, but I'm actually pretty you know, cautiously optimistic on equities. You know, I mentioned the lack of emotional trading that we've seen this month, despite being down, it feels more like a healthy and natural period of consolidation than in the beginning of a more protracted, painful period. You know, last year, for example, we had about 122 days where the S&P 500 moved up or down by more than 1%, that's half of all days. You know, this year, that's about a quarter of days, and it's only about 15% of days since March. So the market is dramatically less reactive today than it was in the past. You know, remember, we entered this year with near universal pessimism across the board. And Benjamin Graham famously said, the time to be optimistic is when everyone else, including experts, is pessimistic. That's certainly been correct uh, through July. We had about a 20% return for the S&P. We then moved into a seasonally weak period of August and September. Uh, there's really very light participation, not a lot of catalysts, and again, perhaps a, a healthy period of consolidation following a very strong move year to date. Now, once we get to the fourth quarter though, that seasonal calendar flips and you go to the best seasonal period of the year. And if you look back, since 1980, when we've had a seven-month run 
of greater than 6% for the S&P, you know, that's happened 19 times. The remainder of the year was positive in all but one occasion back in 1987. We all know what happened then. And the average was about 5.4% between July and the end of the year. So, you know, to steal another cliche from the market, you know, the trend is your friend. So Ben mentioned, you know, clouds are forming. Uh, but that being said, the fundamental backdrop right now is still pretty strong. We have strong consumer spending. Pricing power has supported corporate margins. Earnings estimates have actually inflected higher, both for 2023 and 2024. We do need to watch the labor market for sure, particularly because the impact that has on the consumer, but also potentially margins. But at this point, we don't see a protracted period of negative movement for equities. Again, cautious optimism through year end, and then we'll see what happens as the clouds develop in 2024. Well, Mark and Ben, thank you both for your reaction to the comments that were shared at the Economic Symposium. We'll see what plays out with interest rates at the FOMC September and November meetings coming up. And in the next few weeks, we'll get both the labor report and CPI, and we'll discuss these reports in our upcoming podcast and how they could impact interest rates. Hit the subscribe button so you can be notified when each new episode is released. Until next time. For Nationwide Market Insights, this is Brian Kirk. The information provided by Nationwide Economics is general in nature and not intended as investment or economic advice or a recommendation to buy or sell any security or adopt any investment strategy. Additionally, it does not take into account any specific investment objectives, tax, or financial condition, or particular needs of any specific person. The economic and market forecasts reflect our opinion as of the date of this report and are subject to change without notice. These forecasts show a broad range of possible outcomes. Because they are subject to high levels of uncertainty, they will not reflect actual performance. We obtain certain information from sources deemed reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, completeness, or fairness. Nationwide Fund Distributors, LLC, is a member of FINRA, Columbus, Ohio. Nationwide and the Nationwide N and Eagle are service marks of the Nationwide Mutual Insurance Company. Copyright 2023, Nationwide.